Hi guys, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the Redhead Boy podcast, hosted by me, Harry. Oh, I can't believe we are in June now. I can't believe we're in June. Where has May gone? That month just went crazy quick. Crazy quick. I'm 27 now. Oh, I can feel it in my bones. I can feel it in my bones. Uh, Crikey. I really don't know where this year is going. So, of course, as every month that I do on the podcast, this is my May wrap-up. What I watched this May. And I got some good ones, but also there was sort of... It was kind of a slow month in terms of movie watching. But without further ado, let's dive in to my list for this May. So my first one on my list that I watched on the very first day of May, on the 1st of May, is the Oscar winner for Best Picture this year and for Best Director in Chloe Zhao. It is Nomadland, starring Francis McDonald. And before I chat about it, here's a cheeky clip. You are one of those lucky people that can travel anywhere. Yes, ma'am. I and they sometimes call you nomads. My mom says that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. Not the same thing, right? No. My husband worked at the USG mine in Empire. I was a substitute teacher. It is a tough time right now. You may want to consider early retirement. I need work. I like work. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Welcome to Badland Spa. What the nomads are doing is not that different than what the pioneers did. I think Fern's part of an American tradition. Oh, he's going to come right through the glass. My dad used to say, what's remembered lives. I maybe spent too much of my life just remembering. Now, I was super excited to watch this film when it finally dropped on Disney+. Plus. The film Nomadland is the Best Picture Oscar winner from this year. And so I had some high expectations and I was super excited to watch this as I'm a big fan of Frances McDonald. I loved her in Free Billboards Outside of Missouri. Uh, no Man Land is about Fran. Uh, she is a woman in her 60s in that embarks on a journey through the Western United States after losing everything in the Great Recession, living as a van-dwelling, modern-day nomad. Now, a what I come across from the film, because I haven't looked this up, a nomad is someone who travels from place to place and doesn't really have anywhere 
that they a permanent home, so they travel in their vehicles. Uh, this could be a van, a caravan, or even a car. Um, now, the thing that's interesting with this film is that it's so simple that it's literally just following Fran, played brilliantly by Frances McDonald, um, going through her journey of being a nomad after losing everything in the Great Recession in the US. Um, it's one of those films that if you expect loads of things to happen, uh, you probably won't enjoy it. It's one of those films where it feels like the camera is literally just there to document this woman's journey uh, throughout this year of her living in her van and seeing the ups and downs of being a nomad. This film is beautifully shot. It has some absolutely breathtaking landscape shots of the desert locations that Fran finds herself pulling up in her van. I think for me what most standed out is that Chloe Zhao, that also penned the script and also edited the film, Robbo, to that. Crikey, when I try and edit anything that I've done, I absolutely can't stand it. So well done to Chloe Zhao for doing that because poof, I don't think I have the patience. So, yeah, Chloe Zhao doesn't cut away too quickly. A lot, there are a lot of shots where it just focuses on Fran, the main character's face, and it gives us a chance to try and read her emotions um, behind her face because it is clear throughout the film that that Fran is that Fran is hurting. The character's name is Fern. So yeah, there's so many beautiful, like quiet moments of just showing Fern, you know, living in her van and going through tough times, uh, but also the beauty of the nomad life that these people in real life do. They travel around in their vans um, and that's their way of life. Uh, I think it's beautiful that pretty much it's only Francis McDonald and a couple of other people that the cast, the rest of them, are actually nomad people that they found throughout the shoot. Um, I believe Chloe Zhao and Francis McDonald uh, travelled round for like six months and shot this film together. Um, the cinematographer did an amazing job. Um, yeah, it was just so interesting to see a way of life that I didn't know anything about. Um, and I really, really want to sit down and watch it again. Even talking about it now, I want to sit down and watch it again. So, 
if you guys are intrigued to watch the Oscar Best Picture winner from this year, I definitely recommend it. Definitely recommend it. Go watch it. I watched Nomadland on the 2nd of May. So my second one on this list that I watched on the 7th of May is another Oscar winner. But this time it's a short film and it won for Best Short Film at the Oscars this year. And the film is called Two Distant Strangers. And before I chat about it, here's a clip. If I'm in a hotel and I call the front desk, they always say, we'll have that right up to you, ma'am. Your voice can change, and I'm going to show you how right now. This is me, David. I'm a little mystified as to why I talk the way I talk. Do you guys think I sound good? When you say it like that, you do. <laughs> <laughs> How and when did I learn to sound gay? I'm used to hearing my voice now. When I would first hear it, I would be appalled. Did you ever listen to yourself and think, God, I sound gay? I'd have to say, if I told you no, I'd be lying. A lot of gay men are self-conscious about sounding gay because we were persecuted for that when we were young. When I was in third grade, people started making fun of the way I talked, and that's when the bullying started. Now, I had to put this film on my list. I just had to because I found it extremely powerful and extremely current in the situation that we've found us in recent years where we're highlighting police brutality towards black people. So... Two Distant Strangers is about a man who is trying to get home to his dog to his dog and gets stuck in a time loop that forces him to relive a deadly run-in with a cop. Now when when I watched this film I just found myself super shocked and super upset with how it doesn't turn away from its subject matter. So the main character finds himself in a deadly sort of Groundhog Day situation where he's trying to get home to his dog after meeting up with a girl. He tries to get home, but he constantly repeats interacting with this clearly racist white cop that ends up in tragedy every time he finds himself getting brutally murdered in several different ways by this policeman and keeps trying to find a way to get out of this dark twisted repetitive time loop that he finds himself in. Now, I found this extremely powerful and extremely important story directed by Martin 
Desmond Ross and Travon Free. Sorry if I butchered your names, guys. Uh, but I found your story deeply powerful. Um, yeah, as soon as I watched it and you see how he dies in his first interaction with the police officer, I was like, whoa. It was literally ripped out from the story, the sad, sad story of George Floyd that happened last year. I know we not long had his one-year anniversary of his tragic death. Um, yeah, uh, I, I found it deeply powerful. Um, I know that the film has got some negative um, reactions from other people um, out there, but from my perspective, I found it deeply powerful and deeply moving and wanted to share the movie with other people. Um, I think it was deserved as the as an Oscar winner for best short. Um, yeah, I found myself bawling my eyes out at this film. It was so deeply moving to me. I'm not sure about, because, you know, I'm a white man. <laughs> so I'm not sure. It would be interesting to find out what black individuals think of this film. But for me, I found it deeply powerful. Deeply, deeply powerful. Um, yeah. And I watched this on the 7th of May. Two Distant Strangers is available to watch on Netflix. And if you fancy watching that, in my opinion, I say sit down and watch it. It's only 30 minutes, so you might as well watch it. And I think it's deeply powerful. Um, piece of art, really, piece of art. Now, on the 21st of May, I was proper craving some classic musical, uh, but I found myself, I came across this Netflix film, and it is a concert from the legendary Barbara Streisand, and the film is called Barbara, The Music, The Memories, The Magic. And before I share my thoughts on it, here's a cheeky clip. Tell me not to live, just sit and cuddle. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Don't bring around a cloud to rain on my parade. I had ten number one albums over six decades. My God, have I been around that long? When I heard that Barbara Streisand wanted to work with me, I thought, oh God, this must be some mistake, but here I am. My wife, she screamed. Shot, one wind, shot, and I'm Barbara, and uh, I don't know if you really have to introduce yourself to anyone. Well, I'm humble. I'm just saying. I'm humble. <laughs> Your cares and troubles are gone. Who I Every time Barbara gets the road, she wants to say, "What can I bring the audience this time? What can be special?" Such an enormous undertaking. In this recording of Barbara Streisand's thirteenth concert tour, Barbara tells the story of how she has had 10 number one albums 
in the last six decades. And she, the brilliant storyteller that Barbara Streisand is, that I think we all forget, and that I forget how much of a brilliant storyteller she is, this concert consists of her singing songs from those albums and showing some brilliant behind the scenes of her music making, her film making career, her acting career, and we hear some amazing renditions of her classic songs, of course, from Funny Girl and A Star Is Born. And I think the thing that I enjoyed the most of this is that rather than just a concert of her singing, it's her interacting with the audience and telling stories, telling industry stories, and really being open about her creative journey over those six decades within those ten number one albums over that 60-year period. And, of course, there are some banger tunes and Barbara Streisand has a brilliant sense of humour and you get a sense of the interaction with that Miami crowd. Um, Yeah, I just thoroughly enjoyed this. It was such an easy watch and something relaxing to watch. Uh, If you're a big fan of Barbara Streisand, which one of my best mates is Ryan, then you need to check this out on Netflix. That is Barbara, the music, the memories, the magic. After watching a bit of Barbara, I also sat down on the 21st of May and watched the 2014 documentary that's available on Amazon called Do I Sound Gay? And before I chat about it some more, here's a clip. I met this girl last night, ended up at her place, and, and you know, <laughs> keep being a good boy for Papa, okay? I'll be home soon, I promise. Too late to oh, come on. You got a problem here. Get off of me, man. Get off of me. Now, I just put this film on as a whim. I saw it on Amazon and was intrigued just by the title. So, Do You Sound Gay follows this gentleman, uh, David. David, what's his name? David, 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 David. David Thorpe on the quest of unveiling the the mystery of what makes the gay voice. So David decides after going through a breakup that he wants to try and sound more masculine. So he goes through the... to try and dive deep into what is the gay voice? Where did it come from? And we see David doing trying to find a way in for him to sound less gay, you know? Um, 
I think the main thing that I found interesting in this documentary is how it dives into the history of how gay people are betrayed in films, television, and in pop culture in history. So the documentary shows archives of gay icons in television and TV programs and within film. I didn't realise how much these old stuff, and still today, there's still a lot of stereotyping that gay people, uh, such as myself, I'm gay, should sound a certain way or are portrayed a certain way. Um, Obviously, there are... Gay people are extremely different in many different ways, and it is extremely annoying when you see a gay person in a film or a TV show, less today, but it still happens, less today, shown as a stereotypical gay person. So someone that speaks a particular way, a little bit more feminine, um, is best mates with the girls, is very handsy. So it was interesting how this documentary, as we explore David's journey or quest to sound less gay, um, it's interesting how and how he interacts with other gay men asking if they think he sounds gay and if they think they sound gay. Um, it is a question that I think haunts every gay man is, do I sound gay? I thought about this, you know, I haven't been out for a very long time, um, a short period of time in, in my life that I've been openly out as gay, and I do sometimes worry about if I sound gay or not, or, you know, I, I, I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is. It might still be even though here in the UK, you know, we can be comfortable as gay human beings, um, but there is still this slight worry about interacting with certain people. Uh, But yeah, overall I found this documentary interesting in looking at the media and how gay people were portrayed in past media and how some people in the gay community have latched onto that and have proudly embraced, um, you know, the gay stereotypes and the gay voices. Uh, like, I remember my my older brother's ex-partner saying, you know, as a joke and not in a mean way, but saying that, eventually I would sound more gay because now I date a man and eventually, you know, as a joke, she wasn't being mean. This was like friendly banter, but she was saying that eventually I'd sound more gay and a bit more prancy and a bit more, you know, handsy. But overall, uh, yeah, I found this documentary really interesting, diving into that gay culture and gay stereotypes. So, yeah, yeah, it was interesting, interesting, Uh, like surprisingly interesting.
So yeah. So if you if that sounds like your guys' cup of tea, go check it out on Amazon. Do I sound gay? Now I promise that I am not sponsored <laughs> by Netflix. This is from Zack Snyder, The Army of the Dead, starring Dave Batista. And before I share my thoughts on that zombie flick, here's a cheeky clip. What happened here? Where the police and military finally failed. Vegas' last stand. Whoa, whoa. Everybody be quiet. Do you hear that? The hell is that? Get behind the car. Go. Behind the car. Valentine. Valentine. That's a goddamn zombie tiger. That's crossing the line. You heard it right. This film has a zombie tiger in it. <laughs> Zack Snyder's follow-up to his Snyder's cut is he's going back to his zombie roots the Army of the Dead follows a zombie outbreak in Las Vegas. A group of mercenaries take on take the ultimate gamble and venturing into the quarantine zone to pull off the heist, the greatest heist ever attempted. Uh, the film stars Dave Bautista mainly Dave Bautista, and a range of other people. Now, this film clocks in to nearly like, I think like two hours and a half. Um, it's crazy long, but this film is super fun. Um, the cast really make it, and Dave Bautista is the standout. Zack Snyder um, co-wrote it, and also co-shot it as well. He was the cinematographer behind it. Yeah, yeah. Overall, it was a super fun ride zombie film. Zack Snyder does some great new initiative, fresh things to the zom to the zom to the genre. <laughs> Put my teeth back in to the zombie genre, because we all know that we're all a bit tired of zombies from, you know, The Walking Dead, that is definitely dead, and a range of zombie stuff. So this is a breath of fresh air. And also, this film is just a great premise and a great concept of a group of mercenaries having to pull off a heist in a zombie-invested Las Vegas. Uh, yeah, also, Zack Snyder does an interesting thing with the zombies, that rather having the... As well as having the traditional, you know, zombies uh, that wander around, um, just trying to eat everything that's alive, they also have the thing that he calls the alphas, which are more... 
developed zombies that have a consciousness and think, um, you know, are like a tribe of more developed zombies that Dave Batista and the team find themselves coming up against as well as a fucking zombie tiger. Um, yeah. Uh, the film's great fun. Dave Batista stands out uh, in this film. Uh, his performance is subtle. Um, I think anyone, or not anyone, but someone that took on this role could have made it a bit more too larger than life. Dave Batista is quite subtle, but his performance is good. Also, his story behind that he has with his daughter is quite compelling. The other members of the team are good, and the performances are good, but they don't really dive into much of the other character's backstory. There's only real a real hint or a real surface level. Um, but overall, this film is just super fun to watch. You don't feel the two hours and 30 minutes runtime, which I generally found super surprising. It's very quick. You know, the action sequences are very quick, very well shot, very well choreographed. Um, the visuals are very beautiful looking. Uh, Zack Snyder used these, I think these vintage 50 lenses that you literally, uh, Netflix has a great behind the scenes film of the making of this film. Uh, if you guys enjoy this film, go and check out that if you're interested in, in the behind the scenes of filmmaking, which obviously I am. <laughs> so I enjoyed diving into the the makings of this film and you just saw Zack Snyder, you know, the director holding a camera and shooting the action. Uh, brilliant makeup from a huge team of makeup artists. I think they used 13, um, 13 people of makeup artists to do this range of people, this range of cast of people that played the zombies. Also, it was super cool and interesting to see how they created the visuals of showing a bust-up, zombie-infested Las Vegas. So overall, The Army of the Dead was super fun to watch. It's, you know, it's just leaning into the zombie genre fully, uh, but also adding some new interesting twists I watched that film on the 23rd of May. The Army of the Dead, directed by Zack Snyder on Netflix. Go check it out now, if that sounds like your cup of tea. So, I have a couple of surprising extra additions onto this list that popped out of nowhere right at the last minute of May. So, on Sunday, on the 30th of May... I sat down, I returned to cinema, my happy place, to see the third Conjuring movie starring Patrick Wilson as Ed Warren and Vera Vega as Lorraine Warren in The Conjuring 3, 
The Devil Made Me Do It. Now, before I talk about it, here's a cheeky clip. Ed, something terrible happened here. infected or so let's dive into this bad boy conjuring free the devil made me do it now unlike the previous conjuring films this conjuring film is not set in a haunted house and the film is about where the warrens return to investigate a murder that may be linked to a demonic possession. So the film begins very um, as usual films, horror films begin, especially ones that involve demons and exorcisms. We see the Warrens performing a exorcism on this young lad that has been possessed by a demon. And it's set in the 80s we find out that they think that this young boy, it's all the badness is gone, but we find out later is that not is all as it seems, and there's still trouble afoot. And there's this young lad, or this older lad, it's played by Ruri O'Connor. Uh, he ends up becoming possessed um, by this demon that jumps from his girlfriend's little brother to him and he ends up murdering someone and the main of the film is the Warrens gathering evidence to prove that he murdered this person while possessed by a demonic evil being. Overall, I enjoyed this film. I think maybe uh like my excitement about being back in the cinema is so awesome it's so good to sit down you know on a chair in the cinema see the lights go down and see that big screen with that warner brothers logo as this film began so excited i can't believe how much i missed going to the cinema for me obviously the standout are the performances between um Ed Warren and Lorraine Warren, played by Patrick Wilson and Vera Vega. Uh, obviously, they played them in the original films, so we've got to know this version of the Warrens very well. Um, I think it was cool that they went away from the possessed house angle. The guy who directed this was Michael Chevs, 
who directed the horror film La Llorona, um, which I watched that recently. I watched that this month as well and enjoyed. Yeah, I think the main standout are obviously going to be the Warrens in this film. Um, I don't think, apart from taking the Warrens out of the usual possessed house uh, angle, you know, there wasn't anything particularly dramatically different. Uh, there were a couple of scares, but not too many. I didn't find it too scary. Uh, I think they could have made it more scary. Uh, but overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, I'd recommend you guys go see it, just because it's always fun to see horror on the big screen. And you might as well make it The Conjuring. You might as well. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on The Conjuring. The devil made me do it. We are Lady Parts. Here's a little something we thought you might like. That is me, 26, Capricorn, finishing a PhD in microbiology. And this is Lady Parts, a confused mix of hash anthems and sour girl power. Our sound is thin. We need something more. We need lead guitarists. We don't need a wanky, self-indulgent guitar soloist jizzing all over our songs. This decided. Who would have thought that our orbits were soon to collide? You... You went to St Abigail's Primary School. You played guitar on the talent show. You got expelled for selling school furniture. So, Channel 4's hilarious new comedy sitcom, We Are Lady Parts, looks at the highs and lows of the band members that make up the Muslim female punk band Lady Parts, seen through the eyes of the main character, Amira Hussein, who is a geeky PhD student who is recruited to be their unlikely lead guitarist. Now, me and Mosh, as I said, sat down on the 31st of May in the morning and we binged through this entire six-part series. I loved this show. We both loved this show. The cast is brilliant. The writing is brilliant. The story is brilliant. It's great how each member of the band is subl sublimely unique. Um, I think it's always amazing when you watch a film or TV show where you have brilliant characters that have been written amazingly by the same person but how are so clearly different in personality in drive this show is hilariously funny the band creates some great great music with showing their opinions of the patriarchy also the main character being the audience's eyes. <laughs> Uberly talented. As I said, the show is brilliantly created by Nina Manzur. Yeah, she brilliantly writes this. It's just a great show. It's probably jumped up to one of my favourite shows that I've watched recently. And literally, we only watched it a few days ago. Absolutely love this show. Highly recommend you guys go watch this show like now. 
Also, I really hope they release the band's music on Spotify or something, because their songs are brilliant. Like, utterly brilliant. The characters are so good, and the girls, each their ups and downs of being in the band, but also their individual lives. And just showing them as a band unit, and how they protect each other, and how out we are lady parts. Just do it now. Streaming on all four. It's a six-parter. You can binge it, like me and Mosh did. So guys, that was my May wrap-up of just some of the little gems that I watched over this May. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. And as always, I proper appreciate the support and the sharing of this podcast. I still love doing it. And I look forward to an amazing month of June with some great guests and some great talking and some great, great stuff is planned. It's on the way. Look forward to it. So thank you guys for listening to this episode. And until next time, you guys take care and watch some movies. Go on. Go watch some movies.